How you doing? I am still on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For how much longer? I don't know. Let me take a look. It's not too much longer, in fact. This this happens to me every year about this time where I get to the last like quarter of the summer and I'm like, oh crap, what was all that stuff I was supposed to do? <laughs> mm, let's take a look here. It's in the teens now. It's in the teens. I have 17 days and then I oh. go back to work. Okay. Yeah. Which, granted, I am a thousand percent aware. I should not be complaining about that at all. <laughs> Who else in my industry gets a legitimate summer fucking break? Yes. Zero people. Just yeah. like nobody at all. Well, maybe people who early on in the summer were injured in like a parachuting accident. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, other than that. And then it's, I mean, is that really a vacation? You're stuck in a bed or worse. Yeah. Right. A million years ago. At my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants. And he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. Uh, so I would like to start today by talking about travel. But I think we should start with my travel, because my travel is far lamer than your travel. So it'll go a lot <laughs> faster, I think. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In the Weeds with Ben Randall. I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. And, Steve, I don't know if you know this. You can just drive to places and go there and be there and, like, have lunch and, and, and buy little souvenirs and shit. In this country, at least. Kind of whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know about this, but, like, m my... Wife and kids are taking a fairly extensive vacation out of the uh, contiguous 48 lower states, whatever, in August, middle of August. And so we're not spending a ton of money right now because that trip's not going to be the cheapest. So we drove out to a town called Galena, Illinois, last yes. weekend. And it's far enough out that it's not like a day trip because it's two and a half, three hours, depending on how you go. Not because it's all that far, but because when you get outside of Chicago, if you're not going directly east-west or directly north-south, the roads get real small in a hurry, right? <laughs> we were on legitimate dirt roads for oh. a bit of our, of our travel. I know, it was kind of cool. And no good reason to do that other than we had heard that Galena was a cute-ass little town. Turns out, spoilers, yes, Galena, Illinois is a cute-ass little town. We could not find a hotel to stay in overnight within Galena for whatever <laughs> because, reason. Okay, there were some they were just full versus yes, there yeah, were yeah. none. Okay. So Galena has, it's historic. Apparently that's where President Grant is from. And there's like historic crap there and whatever. So there's a lot of niche high-end hotels, which we weren't going to look at anyway, as well as like bed and breakfasts and stuff like that. It made sense and it was extremely close and affordable for us to stay in Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> so that's another thing that I learned. You can drive like two hours and 45 minutes outside of Chicago and be in Iowa. That's, I have to, I have to, to recognize my privilege here, Steve. I live in a very big city and I forget that there's just like a thousand miles of corn between me and the Rocky Mountains. That all kind of looks the same and you're driving along through it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in Iowa now. And so that was that was a, a very sort of like 
easy shock for me. I was it wasn't, you know, like, oh, I'm on the moon. It was just like, oh, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. Dubuque, sorry, anybody who lives in Dubuque, maybe I didn't see the best parts of it. I don't know. Galena is a far cuter let's go spend a day in a town town than Dubuque, Iowa is. We went to Dubuque to go to sleep, and then we drove back away from Dubuque because <laughs> what we did find there was not, it wasn't awful. It's not like it was a tire fire or anything. It was just not, you know, a touristy little town that we were looking to wander around it. Yeah. I think Dubuque has been in my consciousness longer um, because uh, I don't know why um, I would, uh, she would have mentioned it. But my mom grew up in Iowa, so, so I know Dubuque right. somehow via that connection, but she didn't live in Dubuque. Um, I don't think there was anything in Dubuque as far as school or anything that she went to. So uh, maybe it's just one of the places we occasionally drove through on our way to visit my grandparents. Galena, I had to look it up. That's why I was distracted there for a moment. (laughs) Um, Galena, the reason I know Galena, because I was like, I know that. Um, So there was a there there is still um, a marine hospital in Galena that is a haunted house. uh, and I think now they're maybe they're trying to restore it, but um, we really, when Kayla and I were looking for locations to film our silly little movie, we um, really wanted to try to get this place. But it was like a guy in a herd of goats that took care of the place, and he was like, "Ah, the owner doesn't want anybody filming anything here." Ever. <laughs> um, so that's why I know uh, of uh, Galena. It was probably too far out of our way anyway. But I just sent you a link to the Marine Hospital. It's, it's a cool old building, and it'd take a lot of money to restore, but I think it should be because it had a porch that went all the way around on three levels, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, or maybe just the two levels. Um, and it was for Marines to recuperate yeah. uh, from whatever whatever war would have Spanish-American War. I don't know when it was built. but uh, French Banana War. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I can recommend Galena if it is a day trip, you got money to spend on stuff kind of a thing, right? We (laughs) ate lunch at a place called Dirty Gertie's, which is a burger bar kind of a place, which was fine, right? Didn't blow my mind. Uh, That's the kind of place where, like, I knew my son was going to have a burger. I knew my daughter was going to have a burger. I got the Reuben because that's kind of like one of my standard items. I'll get a Reuben at a place to see how they are. It was okay, right? Seven out of ten, probably. We, the, Galena's got a lot of antique stores on their main drag. So imagine Front Street, Traverse City, five antique stores, right? Weird. Uh, but, you know, my kids hate antiques. I kind of like them. And so it's a double win because then I get to terrorize my children at the same time that we're looking through stuff like that. We went to a place that considers itself to be the greatest American popcorn store where they have like <laughs> walls and shelves of all of these different kinds of popcorn. Uh, they were all fine it's popcorn you know like i'm a big fan of popcorn but like i like warm buttered popcorn with like garlic on it right parmesan cheese a bag of popcorn that's kettle corn or has stuff in it not a huge draw for me one of the flavors which i did not buy because i was afraid tiger butter and while i know that it is technically possible to milk a tiger how you get enough to make butter out of it i don't know i also didn't look at the ingredients i'm just gonna let that one live in my imagination um so it was all popped popcorn that they had? Yeah. Oh, I was hoping that when you said their walls were covered floor to ceiling, that it would be different kernels that you could then take home and pop yourself. Also what I was hoping for, and that's not what they do. Not uh. their fault, right? Like, I didn't feel ripped off or anything. Because we got a kettle corn, and there was one that was churro-flavored, and I got a... Um, 
sour cream and chive one. I feel like if it makes a good potato chip, it probably makes a good popcorn. It was a shade too salty, and that's something for me to say that. <laughs> but I also ate a lot of it all in one shot, and so that's, again, probably my fault. Yeah. Because I it's, it's not a meal, you know? You don't sit down for popcorn dinner, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could make popcorn salad. True. I could definitely make popcorn salad. But it was, like I said, it was a delightful time. It was worth driving a couple hours and staying at a hotel. We also did, there's a number of uh, other historical things out there we went to. I thought, so they have what's called Horseshoe Mound, which is nearby. I thought it would have indicated that there was a mound building group of indigenous folks who lived there, you know, thousands of years ago. It's just a geologic feature. It was gorgeous. We got up on the top of this hill. We could see for a bajillion miles because even though it's hillier there than it is in Chicago, it's still pretty flat. <laughs> you know? So we could look for, for, for miles and miles. And uh, no, it was it was a it was a good time. Nice. That was pretty much the extent of my travel recently. But it was I, I wanted to bring this up specifically because I'm currently drinking a cup of Galena Roasters Sumatra coffee. Sumatra is kind of like a uh, Reuben for me. If I'm getting coffee from a new place, I'm going to get their Sumatra to see how they do that. It's an indicator for me whether or not they know what they're doing. It's a delightful cup of coffee. A lot of times you get these third or fourth wave coffee shops where they're light roasting or they're light medium roasting or they say it's dark, but they're lying, right? Nope. These folks know how to roast a coffee bean. So I'm I'm happy that I bought a couple pounds of it. Um, That's that's awesome. I think that's a great... uh tip too in terms of uh and and i guess other people wouldn't have to be sumatra but uh if you find one that you like is to sort of okay order order whatever this is wherever you go as kind of an indicator of uh what what you're getting into did you ever see once upon a time in mexico the um i believe antonio banderas movie i think i have so that's Johnny Depp's thing in that movie. I forget exactly what it is, if it's Ropa Vieja or if it's something like that, but he's looking for the best of all of those. And so he goes to every restaurant that he, he <laughs> encounters in Mexico and wants to order this one particular thing because he's looking for the best of it. But it also gives him an indication of what sort of a job they're doing in the kitchen. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what thing he's looking for. Nice. It's like the, uh, I mean, what, what, is there a dish that would, uh, require enough skills that it could really tell you exactly what's going on in the back of the house? No, I mean, for me, it's more of a, because I have a baseline, like I've had really good Rubens, I've had really bad Rubens that I can gauge based off of pretty much my first bite. And it lets me know, I especially do this if I'm going to be in a place for a while, or if I'm trying to find like my new neighborhood spot kind of thing. It'll let me know if they can do this thing, because a Reuben is very simple, right? It's corned beef, it's sauerkraut, it's Thousand Island dressing, it's Swiss, it's marble rye. That's it. That's the whole deal. If you don't do any one of those very simple ingredients well, right? If the bread's not good, if the sauerkraut's not good, if the corned beef is not good, or if the Thousand Island dressing is not good, it will stand out. And so it's a, a way for me to tell what sort of attention to detail they have because it's an extremely good sandwich, but it's also extremely easy to do one of those four parts badly. Yeah. <laughs> so if, they, if they're not paying attention and they do any of those four parts badly, I know they're probably not paying attention to the rest of the stuff they're doing as well. Yeah. I was like, uh, it was a decent sandwich, but the dressing was not made in-house. Uh, so you'd know that. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like, they, my wife got a salad and... They brought out two different kinds of dressing. One was a French dressing and one was a ranch dressing. And she used the French on her salad and she asked me if I wanted the ranch for my 
fries. And I said, sure, which I don't normally do, but I will do on occasion. And the ranch itself was was sweet. It was oddly sweet. It very much so was a, this just came out of a gallon container. Yeah. Right? Like nobody <laughs> makes a ranch dressing that's this sweet in-house on purpose. So that was another indication, you know, like, do I require that everybody makes a ranch dressing in-house? No, of course not. But it should be good if you're getting it out of a jar because you're not doing any work. So you may as well get a good one, you know? Yeah. Um, akin to the um, old story of whatever band it was that requested uh, that <laughs> yeah. the, the only only green M&Ms or whatever it was or no green yeah. M&Ms in the green room and the... This could be as apocryphal as the original story, but I heard that the rationale for that was that because their uh, show was so pyro-heavy, yeah, um, that they put included that in their rider because they knew that if they got to the dressing room and that wasn't there, they wouldn't do the show. Not because they cared so much about the M and M's, but because that meant that they didn't read through to the ent- the entire thing, right? And and they would not be confident that all of the safety measures were actually in place for all the pyro and everything else that was going on in the show for the load in. So, um, it was a trick, um, in theory. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but. That's well, it was definitely not the heard. band Great White. Oh, <laughs> did you just check? No, 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 no. I was looking at oh. your Marine Hospital oh. thing. I just know that Great White had <laughs> yes. a catastrophic yes. fire at one of their concerts, and yes, their last remaining hundred uh, fans were, I think, injured. Very yeah. sad. That was I years ago. That. that was a long time ago. It was a while ago. <laughs> um, I also, I think it was Great White. Could have been White Snake or White Lion. There's a chance those are also all the same band, so I don't know. Did all those bands get together to create White Claw? Oh, that's a good idea. Or this, not even that, but it's just like all of those bands were ground down into a paste and they squeezed the juice out of it. And that is White Claw. They just, they just run water through the grounds. That's how White Claw is created. It's like coffee, but from hair bands. Yeah, that yeah. is super duper gross. Um, well, did you go to in, in, of the, in any of the antique stores? Oh, yeah, we went into a bunch of them. I found zero things that I wanted to buy because like it's inevitable. If you are somebody like me who's like, oh, I've now developed sort of this like uh, kink, I guess you would say, for like old kitchen equipment, right? Because it's worth saying in like an old timey dude kind of way, things were built to last back in the day and now they're not. Things are built to be disposable or uh, subscription based these days, right? (laughs) So you can find a bread pan that's made out of like blue steel from the 60s that is just as good today as it was back then and that design's not made anymore like i got this weird sort of almost like a spiral top bread pan at a place that we went to a couple weeks ago and it was not expensive and i used it and it was great inevitably the further you've traveled the larger and the heavier and the more expensive the things you'll find that you want to buy, right? And so, yeah, I didn't find anything that I thought, can I cram this in the back of my car? Am I going to get like eight miles to the gallon after I put this in the car? But I did find a book written by David Duchovny because two of the antique stores were basically used bookstores right? uh, called Holy Cow, and it is terrible. It is, I would say, top three worst books I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Luckily, it was very short. Worst uh, written or worst uh, conceptually? everything (laughs) the book is terrible and i bought it specifically because i love david Duchovny so much because i was in the middle of high school when the x-files was airing and i just love the guy i absolutely love him this has not tarnished that for me everybody shouldn't be expected to do everything david Duchovny, (laughs) just keep acting 
Right. It's not right now. You're on strike. But, like, yeah. just keep acting. That's fine. This book thing you did, I, I spent money on it. I'm sure none of the $8 that I spent on that book are going to get back to him now. Don't write any more books, my dude. It was awful and terrible. And I read the whole thing, and it was terrible to the very last word. <laughs> All right, good to know. We'll avoid. Uh, yeah, I have a stack of books that I'm gonna put into the uh, free book boxes around my neighborhood, and then periodically go see if anybody's grabbed them. <laughs> <laughs> that are all books that I thought were terrible, like this one. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I I listen to a podcast about bad books, though they have not done that one. Probably it would be short. short. Yeah, yeah, the book itself is maybe 185 pages. Oh yeah. Well, that's not too bad. They might uh, get on board. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can track it down. I can send you my copy if you want. It's <laughs> awful. Like, I'll feel bad doing it, but I can... I can. Whew, if you want it, it's yours. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad you went into the stores. We So we just got back from Connecticut on Sunday after a um, 12-hour... 12 hours... 12-hour drive is what it was supposed to be. 12. It ended up being more than that because we stopped a little bit. So it's a long drive. But uh, after you get to the, um, what is it? The uh, Not the Ambassador Bridge. It's the Blue Water Bridge. Is that what it is? You got me. To I'm trying Canada. to figure out how to spell Connecticut when I'm writing my notes here. <laughs> I always, I'm just going to write CT. Yeah. <laughs> I always <laughs> say Connecticut um, yeah. in my brain so that I could uh, attempt to spell it correctly. I think it's Blue Water Bridge. Um from Canada to the U.S., it uh, everything felt like downhill from there, even though we were still like um, two and a half or so hours away from my folks' place. Uh, the drive was so much nicer when you know you're that close to home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, my sister and I, last year we attempted to find some antique stores, and we we tried a few this time around as well. And I I would have thought that New England would be a haven for like really good antique stores and right. so far the majority of the ones that we went in they don't know how to do antique stores and oh, are perhaps no. run by crazy people uh this year the first one we went into was uh the lights were off and the guy was sitting in a chair smoking something it didn't smell like a <laughs> cigarette it didn't smell illegal but um i it you know it smelled like it was a different kind of tobacco if it was a cigarette and he's like oh sorry i haven't even turned the lights on um and then talked chatted us up for a long time and uh ended complaining about the fact that um there's no manufacturing anymore in the u.s <laughs> it was this long thing it was like okay how how long do we have to politely stay here before we can egress and then we went into one that was actually or two others i think one was actually set up like an antique antique mall over this way would be which i thought was just standard it's like you know you're making an antique uh, antique store here's how to do it you set up yeah. booths people rent the booths yada 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 so that one was kind of like that. There was nothing really exciting in it. And one of them was just kind of a disaster. I think it was set up in booths, but it looked like like a tornado had gone through or something. And it was just like, I don't know. It wasn't great. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't really very successful. Food-wise, um, so it was, kind of, it was a working vacation. So Kayla had to work. So my sister and I would kind of bum around until the weekend when we did the big book barn trip, um, which is only used books. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons we go out there. And... Uh, um, so food wise, we did a variety of things, but my sister is trying to be a lot more, um, mindful of what she eats. Not, she's not gluten, uh, she doesn't have celiac, but gluten, she's found gluten and dairy both don't agree with her a hundred percent. So depending on what it is, um, she'll regret it later. 
and so she just tries to avoid them all. So it was interesting, so we tried to do that. We tried to go to places where there were gluten-free options, and for the most part, we succeeded. We did some repeats, so we did um, Walter's Hot Dogs on the way out. Nice. Yep, stopped there, got some hot dogs, and then we did, uh, you won't be as excited about this one, but Captain Scott's Lobster Dock, um, (laughs) which is a fun name. If you're selling lobster, you have to have a name like that, right? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Well, the other one we went to that was also lobster was Iggy's. And okay. uh, we we went there because Kayla very much wanted to try Dell's Lemonade. And I guess when they were figuring out what the state drink of Rhode Island would be, it was down to Iggy's or coffee milk. And some people were upset that, or not Iggy's, Dell's Lemonade or coffee milk. And some people were rather upset that Dell's didn't get chosen. But having had both now, I think they went with the right choice with the coffee milk because it's a little more unique. So Dell's is more ah. like, or is mostly a, uh, it's like a lemonade slushy or, sure. uh, okay. or a lemonade lemon ice sort of thing. But they do have like, um, I don't know if it's candied, but there's little bits of rind and stuff in there. So mm-hmm. you know that it's, you know, it's a real i guess right right you know when we were in downtown galena because obviously to placate me we went in all of the antique stores but then of <laughs> course for my kids there was there's like a candy store like the phrase kid in a candy store i took my kids into a candy store <laughs> and it was super weird candies like they had oscar meyer gummy bacon and just all sorts of weird stuff and then like a wall of jelly belly dispensers and stuff yeah yeah and that was cool uh, my kids each got something. I ended up buying a novelty T-shirt of Bazooka Bubblegum, which I'm very excited about, and it looks awesome. But my son didn't want anything except for a lemon shakeup, which I don't know if it, that's specifically that store or what, but there was this young lady who had a countertop at the very front of the store where uh, it, it's essentially what you're talking about, right? So she had ice, she had water, she had sugar, and she had lemons. And she would squeeze one lemon into this container, put in a certain amount of sugar, put in a certain amount of ice and water, and literally shake it up like a martini and then pour it into a to-go cup, and that was your thing. It was like three bucks. It should have cost more than that just in the amount of labor she put into it. She was probably... <laughs> 15 and the whole time i'm looking at my son i'm like she's got a job you could have a job too loser uh but it according to him he was like that is actually really really good (laughs) so that was it was cool to see something like that being done like a la menu you know yeah well the thing that was interesting i thought about this is that uh uh, I think maybe lemonade stands like this, if it's called, if it's considered a lemonade stand, maybe it's a requirement that they're run by a solitary high school girl. <laughs> Could be. Because my sister and I, when we were out and about, we saw one of their trucks out because they have, they. I guess it wouldn't really be a food truck. It's a lemonade truck. It's a beverage truck. Yeah. Um, but they had, uh, so they have mobile Dells and we saw one of those and we were driving by and my sister said, I think that's just one high school girl in there. Um, so (laughs) that is an amazing shirt. (laughs) And then when we actually made it to the little storefront, it was also just one high school girl. But, uh, so she went back to like a cooler and I swear it it was a ladle though. Maybe it was something else. Scooped this stuff like pre-made out of containers that were in this, Mm -hmm. this cooler, which I thought was interesting because it is like, uh, um, like ice that you would get if like the snow cone sort of ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how they keep that the right temperature for it not to do whatever. So maybe she would scoop one thing of ice and then one thing of something else. I could, you couldn't really see what she was doing. Sure. But th- they had lemon and they had a bunch of other flavors. So I got raspberry. And then my sister and Kayla both got lemon. 
Um, and the other thing that I th- we thought was really interesting, so I'm not going to tell uh, our audience because I know how many thieves there are that listen to us, <laughs> um, where this was, but cash only and uh, like a cash register full of cash. <laughs> Wow. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't, as a teenage girl, which I've never been, I don't know how sure. comfortable I would be. Uh, just, I mean, it, you didn't walk in. It was just through the window, but the window was big and I could have jumped through it. So uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, Dell, if you're listening, um, you know, maybe some safety glass or something to protect your uh, your worker and your hard earned lemon cash. You know, I've also never been a teenage girl, um, and this is my prejudice against teenagers in general, regardless of gender. The one who made the lemon shake-up for my son, very enthusiastic. Seemed to be having a real good time at work. And I don't know if it was just that day, or if it's just that kid, or if it's the environment she was working in. I also wondered if maybe, because the only other person in there was behind the register, was a dude probably my age. I was wondering if it was a family operation. Oh, yeah, And she was working there over the summer for her folks. Uh, But she was a delight. But not in a fake way. Like, she was greeting everybody as they came in. She was the one who helped me get the uh, shirt because they were all hanging up near the ceiling. And I said, I- I'd like a large of that. How do I get that down? She looked around. She goes, that stinking hook is gone again. I'm going to go in the back and see if we have. You said large? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I'm going to go see if we have one of those. Came back out. All smiles. I found one. I found one. I was like, all right, man. So I was presuming any teenage kid working in this kind of place during the summer in what is obviously a tourist strip would just be miserable. She <laughs> seemed to be having a great time. The the um, girl, woman, what? Well, I don't know what the the least insulting turn of phrase is. The, the person working at the lemonade stand that we went to. <laughs> Dame. <laughs> the, yeah, she's, she's been knighted. Um, uh, it was Judy Dench. Yeah. <laughs> she was reading something that my sister and Kayla were kind of laughing about. I don't know if it was like a, um, a romance novel of some kind, but she was reading that when we pulled in. But when we pulled in, even before we got up there, she'd put it down and she was smiling when we got there. It was very, you know, no no complaints at all about her service. I don't if, – if she wasn't happy to be there, she did a good job of convincing us that she was, so – Again, customer service is not difficult. Uh, it's not, well, what do I always say? It's not complicated. It is hard, but it's not complicated. Yeah. yeah that's what I say. If, you're, if you can't be legitimately nice to people, you can pretend. Otherwise, you're in the wrong job, which is fine, right? Like, you can just admit that you're in the wrong job. Like, maybe being a server yeah. is not for me. Maybe working the counter is not for me. I cannot just smile and lie at people all day. We had dinner at a place in Dubuque, Iowa, that was, like, my daughter really wanted to go to Olive Garden. Why? I don't know. She's 10. She's never been to an Olive Garden. She saw the sign as we were pulling into our hotel, wanted to go to Olive Garden. My wife and I were like, no, no, no let's let's just eat this popcorn instead right so my wife found a restaurant that i don't remember the name of now we went there i don't know it was upscale bar food so again my son had another burger right so he had two <laughs> burgers all day my daughter had uh beef tacos they had like a super fancy taco but i convinced i asked the waitress nicely if we could have just tortillas and beef and lettuce and she said sure uh, I had uh, what they called their beef bites, which were te- – so they had a tenderloin on the menu. 
And so this was obviously trim, which is great. It's a great way to use that trim up. Just seared with a, a pickled red onions and such. And bread. Uh, and then I also had their cheese curds. The cheese curds were very good. Everybody we interacted with at this restaurant, right? The hostess, uh, one of the food runners, the person who came back with the check. Great. Seemed to be having a good time. It's a Saturday night in Dubuque, right? Like, come on. <laughs> Our waitress completely checked out. I don't know if she was having a bad day. I don't know if she was just like, we got the bad waitress. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if you work in the restaurant industry, think about your front of the house crew right now. You got one bad waiter slash waitress. You just got one. You got one that nobody wants to work the same shift with them because they're not going to do side work. They're just going to bring the whole room down. You got one that's going to be calling around every Sunday trying to call off and get somebody to cover for them, right? I think we got that one. <laughs> she just seemed like, no, she didn't even seem like it oozed off of her. She did not <laughs> want to be there. The service wasn't bad. She was bad. Like yeah. we, we got everything at the right amount of time. She asked the right questions. All of our orders were correct. Just checked out. Just not there in in her spirit. <laughs> you know. So in uh, in today's world, what did you tip? What percentage? I still tip twenty because I you never know when there's going to be tip sharing at a place like that, and it's not worth. Because, like I said, the experience was fine. The food was good. They took care of us. Uh, it was not terribly busy there, although it looked like it could just get wild. Could could absolutely wild. Uh, but, you know, like, it was fine. I'm probably the only one who noticed, right? Like, nobody else in the world cares about this stuff except me, where I'm like, you know what? She was, like, just this side of disdainful about <laughs> not even just us, but, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? See, and that's where I think robot is beneficial because robot, you get the same amount of apathy, I guess, without any of the um, swinging into negative emotional territory. Like they're yeah. they're not gonna hate that they're there. They just because they have no feelings. They're robots. Currently, we can't make a robot with feelings. I hope we never can. Right. Um, it it doesn't care that it's there. It doesn't care that you're there, but it will do the job, and you don't have to tip it because it's a robot. All of those things are true. Uh, it. I was given this advice by a teacher at one point when I was going to become a teacher. And I think that it works for the service industry as well. And I feel like you have said something similar too, which is like so much of what my industry does is theater, right? Not real theater, but like putting on a show, putting on a, 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 a facade, right? And I had this teacher at one point who I asked him, I said, it just seems like you never have a bad day, man. And he goes, if I ever have a bad day and you as a student know about it, I'm not doing my job. And so that's the character I play at work, right? Chef Ben at work yeah. never has a bad day because that's not the responsibility of the people that I am interacting with, right? Chef Ben always has a good day. Chef Ben's always positive and excited and all that kind of stuff. That's a, that's a role I play. Is it exhausting? Well, yeah, but the whole job is so whatever, right? To a certain degree, being a waiter, and it's funny to me that in Hollywood, that's always the joke that, like, all of the waitstaff in Southern California are actors, right? That's part of the job, is pretending. Pretend that you're excited to be there. Pretend that you enjoy all the food. Pretend that you really dig bringing out that third side of ranch. Like, that's part of the job, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's... <laughs> Very few operations train their staff that way to just be like, look, the expectation is that, yeah, you're always having a good day. Now, is that to say that people should 
also accept abuse from customers? No, no, no. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. But the way that you start that off, like it does to a certain degree flavor the experience. If you walk in and the waitress clearly hates everything. Yeah. <laughs> or waiter or whoever. Or the robot does. The robot hates everything. I don't right. know. It, depending on who you are, that can really affect your entire experience. Now, am I ever going to go back to this restaurant? Probably not. But that's because I'm not in Dubuque, Iowa very often. Right, right? right. So, fine. Now, I remember this place called Copper Kettle. It's actually right across the street from this huge, gothic, old, falling down building. Like, whole city block size. Five stories. Massive thing. Looks like a cathedral, right? It was a... Uh, uh, brewery. It was like oh. a uh, hops and malt processing brewery thing way back in the day. And now it's all falling apart and it's got big safety fences around it and stuff like that. And I was like, that joint is fucking haunted and I want it. I want the <laughs> whole building. It was, It's amazing. But it's also falling apart. They're supposed yeah. to be they, whoever, I guess the Dubuque City Council or whatever, they're supposed to be turning it into something. But at this point, you'd have to turn it into a big pile of bricks and then get rid of those and put something else up because it's falling apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, they pass that child labor thing, so they'll just have the kids do it. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, bricks are not that big. Yeah. I mean, the likelihood of one hitting a child is much less than the likelihood <laughs> of one falling and hitting a grown adult. So, <laughs> Right, right. And it's safer for the kids. Yeah. Um, so that, that was my experience in Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah. You do hope, though, when you, when you encounter waitstaff like that, that the reason they're sort of in that mood isn't because... They came in and they're like, so um, it's been two weeks. Do we have sanitizer yet for the dish machine? Yeah. And they're like, nope, still on back order. And we're still we're still open. Yep. Still got to go there and serve people. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is that. She could be the one person in the building who knew that everything was awful. But like the fact that everybody else in that joint, like listening to other servers at other tables. See, here's the thing. She had no banter. Like, yeah. Do you need to become best friends with your table? No. Should you, at the very least, be like, hey, welcome in. You know, how's it going tonight? Can I get you something? As opposed to walking up and being like, what do y'all want to drink? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess this is how we're doing this now. You know, so <laughs> fine. Again, I, of the four of us at that table, I'm certain I'm the only one who had any notion that that was going on anyway. <laughs> you just need to have fine, how are you primed? So when someone comes up and like, what do you want to drink? Fine, how? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Not what I expected. Got a reset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? The other thing is customers are at fault for this as well. In as much as maybe we were the, like, eighth table she'd had that day where she went up and said, hey, how are you today? And they went, Diet Coke. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, so, yes. like, maybe she was just done with humans. F fine. But at the same time, taking the order, putting the order in, bringing the food out, bringing the check out, those are all parts of the job. Uh, kind of pretending that you dig being at work, that's also part of the job. It's the same for cooks, except we get to curse while we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Now, once again, it, it, it bears emphasis that that is not her fault. Yeah. Because whoever's managing, if they're not seeing that that's going on and they're not saying, you okay, dude? then the management is doing something wrong. Yeah. Right? It is as simple as that. We've talked about this on this show before. A plate hits the floor, the bad manager yells out, quit breaking my shit, and the good manager goes, yo, is everybody okay? Simple yeah. as that. Which is why whenever I get a job in a kitchen, the first thing I do is drop a plate. <laughs> oh, you got to test those waters, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bring one of my own. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> just to be just to be clear. Yeah. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this came up. I don't have the article in front of me because this may have been a thing I saw on Facebook. But if you are working at a restaurant and a table uh, dines and dashes, and the restaurant tells you you have to pay that out of your own pocket, you feel very comfortable letting them know that the federal government has indicated that is illegal. You are not on the hook for a bill that a customer does not pay ever. Right. Never, 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 Correct. ever. That does not, that's not a real thing. And if the restaurant manager says we're taking it out of your tips or out of your paycheck or out of, you call the labor board, the Department of Labor, the attorney general for your state immediately. And also tell everybody you know. This kind of stuff flourishes in darkness, right? Restaurants can not do that. Nobody can do that. Yeah. It, um, I mean, in fact, anyone that's working in the industry, um, just for, I mean, not because you're expecting anything, but if you're still moving around and through restaurants, it probably doesn't hurt to have those numbers just in your phone. <laughs> right. Right. Well, oh, that's a good idea, Steve. We should put those up on our everything. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be part of this or any of the other conversations we have, feel free to email us at intheweedswbr at gmail.com. My Instagram is Chef Ben Randall. As Twitter is dying, I'm just not even talking about the Twitter that I do anymore because I don't really do much of it. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group if you search for In the Weeds with Ben Randall, and Steve runs a website for us. In the Weeds WBR.com. And we will put up information about how to contact your local and state and federal labor boards on the website. And I may just go ahead and put those up on Instagram as well. Just because, you know, it can't hurt. Um, you know, something I did, I, I hate to say, even learn maybe from TikTok. Um, and I have to Google just to make sure it's... You're the, older uh, than I am, and I'm too old for TikTok, Steve. I, Come on. Yeah, well, I wasn't actually... I don't have a TikTok. I wasn't watching TikTok. It was on some other site. Uh, um but each state has a um yes so for michigan it is through leo which is the labor and economic opportunity board but it's warns um, worker adjustments and retraining notifications so um which we've talked about this happening at restaurants restaurants don't have to do this because they don't have enough employees right um and sometimes things just happen but if a company is going to lay off a bunch of people they have to give fair warning and the government posts it on a website um, states do this individually and so if you're kind of wondering about what's going on at your company check its warns worker adjustment and retraining notifications for whatever it is for your state and uh, if it's posted there if your company's posted there it will say the number of jobs being effective and uh, affected rather and when it's going to happen whether it's a layoff or a closure and uh, you might know uh, before your uh, uh, some other people at your company that things are uh, headed south and you can start looking for new jobs. So anyway. Right, right. Now, in fairness to owners and such, if it is a term of employment, when you first hire on and you sign all those papers, I'm rehiring someone in, the, in a couple of weeks here and she's having to redo all of her paperwork. And there is new paperwork from when she worked for us last year. And she's been texting me, home office sent me a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 there's new, there's new paperwork. When a company does the hire, the new hire paperwork, they can, unless it's already forbidden by a labor law, they can put stuff in there that if you sign it, you're agreeing to it, right? So we've said this before, but like if they say no purple hoodies at work and that's a term of your employment, you wear a purple hoodie and you can get fired for that. So it's yeah. definitely worth reading all of that stuff when you are hiring it. Now, the way that I do it, I won't be doing this with this 
new old employee because she's done all this stuff before and she trusts us. We've built that on purpose. Any new employee. I either sit with them and do the paperwork unless it's confidential stuff, which is really just for their peace of mind because I see all the confidential shit anyway. It's why my office has a lock and it's why my filing cabinet has a lock. I want them to be aware. You need to understand all this. I am here to help you understand it. This is... Some of it's for the company, some of it's for you, some of it's for me, some of it's for the school, right? Just having said that, my new hires just sign everything. I'm like, just by me going, look, I'm not, we're not trying to hide anything. There's nothing sneaky in any of this. Any information you want, I will help you with any of this. Then they're all like, hey, I'll just sign. <laughs> like, that's not exactly what I'm trying to do here. But there also is nothing sneaky or tricky in there. Like, I signed my new hire paperwork yeah. as a manager, and there is a two-year non-compete in there so if i were to leave my job and go work for another competitive uh food service operation that does schools my company can sue me for that also there's a one-year moratorium on me hiring my current staff away to whatever that new job is right yeah so let's say i did want to open up a bakery with my lead cook and my uh longest term employee which we always joke that the three of us are going to open up a bakery i can't do that I willingly signed that because the company I work for is so good. And I know why they did that. It's because at any given point, the school that I work for could take me aside and be like, yo, we want to cancel this contract. We want you to keep all of your people in place. We're going to pay you X amount more. Just do what you've been doing. And that sounds really good. And my company does not want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not training me to take over a site and then kick them to the curb. Right. Like that's Yeah. And I'm sure. It's happened because the sure. regulations within my company are, in many cases, uh, in response to things having happened. Yes. So. <laughs> There's good reasons why it is we are not, as managers, uh, able to get reimbursed for alcohol purchases. <laughs> I don't know what those reasons are, but I can guess. <laughs> um, one other thing to be aware, uh, wary of, only because I've seen two instances of it now in making news of some kind. So, again, when you would go to your phone, pull up one of those numbers and make a few phone calls, is if a sign gets posted that says, this is a non-quitting restaurant. You're not allowed to quit. <laughs> yeah. um, a, if that goes up, quit right there. Just walk out. Um, because they can't prevent, no one can prevent you from quitting. Yeah. Um, I don't, there's, the, all the right to work states um, are really, that, that's a misnomer because it really yeah. that's on the employee side, meaning they can fire you for any reason at any time. But there's no state that says that you must keep a job, <laughs> um, you know, for any reason. Like, there, there's just, you don't. You can, I think every state, regardless of whether it's a quote-unquote right-to-work state, um, you can quit pretty much any time for any reason, and you don't have to tell them why. Uh, yeah, agreed. And um, y you want to quit a place like that right away. However, you want to take just enough time to take a photo of that. Yeah. sign and put it up on on the social medias because that is i hate to say it because social media is so flimsy and frivolous and dumb it's a powerful ass tool because like let's say i'm trying to figure out where to go for dinner and i do a google map search and there's a place that gets pretty good reviews and whatever and i happen to look at their instagram and they're tagged in a bunch of these like labor violation things i'm not going to go to that restaurant yeah <laughs> you know I'm just not going to do it. So it's fine uh, to 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 blast places like that. 
Yes. Because they're bringing it on themselves. Any manager, owner, whatever, who has the gall to put up something like this is a no-quitting restaurant, or like the one we talked about a couple weeks ago where the, the note was, three of you inconsiderately quit on the same day. Some of us have families that we yes. need to spend time with. It's like, no, 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 no. That's... <laughs> First off, you just outed yourself as having such an awful place that three people quit on the same day. That's bizarre. <laughs> uh, and and it's, sorry, owners and managers. I've learned this the hard way myself. Everything is your fault. Now, if you wanted to take credit for everything, that also is true, right? When things go well, you're doing a great job. But when things are shitty, it is your fault. And if you put up a sign saying things are shitty, guess whose fault that is, too? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think that one actually is the um, uh, the first one I was aware of, and I'll send you this other one because this is the uh, this is the other one. And I would think that uh, home office here would would crack down because I I can't see how anyone would want um, anyone at corporate McDonald's would want to be attached to this at all. So they're using the McDonald's logo and everything on this McDonald's. We value you, your growth, and your contributions. This is a no quit restaurant. Uh, because we feel that many situations can be resolved as a policy of the restaurant, then an employee cannot quit until he or she talks to the restaurant manager or the area supervisor. Uh, no, you don't. You don't have to do that. There's a world in which that sentiment is really cool. Yeah, and I've said something similar to people in the past, where I've said, "Look, everything is solvable." However, to couch it in you're not allowed to quit is the wrong message. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you have a personality issue between two of your staff at a restaurant, there are a dozen ways to solve that that don't include one of those two people quitting. Right? Now, they're hard. And they're difficult. And they're complicated. So this is like the worst case scenario. But that's the kind of work restaurant managers, especially chefs. Sorry, guys. It's us don't do we hope one of the two people is going to quit <laughs> that's what we're looking for but there are ways there's conflict resolution there are ways to schedule appropriately so if two people are amazing workers really consistent employees they're great at what they do but they just hate each other you can schedule around that if there's no way to fix it between the two people fine you know you can do any number of things it just takes effort but and so I, I would hope that's what that sign means. But to be like, but guess what, bitches, you can't quit. That's different. <laughs> that's a different thing. Yeah. Well, and and uh, um, I guess the thing that I think makes it most weird is that where it says you you uh, unless you talk to a manager or an area supervisor, and it's like you, yeah. you're going to take it that far up the ladder. And it's like, no. If I want to quit, if it's gotten to that point with me, where I'm ready to quit, then I don't need anyone's permission. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I just sent you was the uh, this was from um, blackenterprise.com, but they're just quoting the uh, at will employment law, which stipulates, quote, although management is able to fire an employee at will for any reason besides discrimination, an employer also places no requirements on whether an employee can quit at any moment or not. So it is illegal to say that you have to talk to anyone to quit. You can just drop your stuff and walk out and. Uh, yeah. And I guess at this McDonald's, that's not quitting. You have to wait until you get fired. So um, I guess they would technically fire you for that instead of... Uh... There's no quit approval process. Right. That exists anywhere. Yeah. Correct. I think that's what we're getting at. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't sign over 
your life to them when you got hired at friggin' McDonald's <laughs> to at, for to need to ask permission to get another job. No, it's your life. You do what you need to do when you need to do it. McDonald's doesn't need to be in on any of that. All of this is in the realm of wage employment, has nothing to do with contract labor, right? So this, we cannot speak to contract labor at all, which does carry with it stipulations of, uh, you know, project completion or a time and date that you need to work through. That's a whole separate fucking thing. Yeah, but even then you can leave. You're in breach of contract and you could get sued, but it's not like, you know, you need permission to, you know. There are Com- commit a fraud. <laughs> right, right. There's a couple of things going on in my industry right now that managers, in particular hiring managers and like the office folks, keep throwing their hands up and going, nobody wants to work anymore. We've done it to ourselves, right? So like we've talked about all of this stuff in the past, Steve, but I don't know that we've uh, put it all into one bucket before. So you interview somebody on the phone and you set up a an in-person interview with them, right? And then they don't show up. Managers are going, nobody wants to work anymore. Or you have staff members who show up late, leave early, call off, and managers are going, nobody wants to work anymore. And then this same thing here, too. Rather than giving two weeks' notice, rather than letting the chef or the owner or the manager or whoever know, like, hey, I am having these kinds of problems that are affecting – like, I don't want to come into work. I'm not doing my best work. There are people around me I don't enjoy. Like, things are not being handled. And so those people are just quitting. And managers are going, nobody wants to work anymore. And all of that, we're doing this to ourselves, right? So if people are are quitting by either no call, no showing, or not giving you notice, you probably need to look at why are they doing that to this restaurant not why is that person doing it what is it about that person that makes them do it what about my environment that i am managing here is leading them to do that yeah why are people not excited to come into work why are they coming in late calling off why are they trying to leave early what about the environment that i've built here makes them want to do that right and then if you've done a phone interview with somebody and they don't show up for their in-person interview what the fuck did you say to them on the phone (laughs) right and i have to ask myself the same question i have been in that position i rationalize it and i'm like well they were probably applying at 100 other places and they got a better offer from somebody else not like well they heard me on the phone and they're like i'm not gonna fucking work for that guy (laughs) but that could have been the case too right i'm not gonna consider that because the people who do work for me like i've got somebody who left and is coming back as far as I'm concerned, that is all the resume I need for the rest of my life. I've got people coming back to work for me who left in in circumstances that had nothing to do with work. And now that those circumstances have improved, they wanted to come back to work for me. That's all I need to tell anybody right there. Right? So I have the opposite problem. Yeah. I got people being like, can I please come back and work for you? Like, why, yes, you can. <laughs> well, and even if even if you didn't say anything wrong in the phone interview and you're unable to hire, then instead of instead of like, what's wrong with me, you can look at it and say, okay, what are they getting other places that they're not getting here? Yep. Because that's, you know, they're, they've gone and they've uh, committed to being employed somewhere else and not you. So why were you not chosen? Why was your job not chosen? And maybe there's some examination there. Uh, for sure, for sure. I do have a question for the group beyond just you and me, Steve, because I have not applied for a job in like eight years now, right? restaurants are getting back into cattle calls, which I have not seen in years, right? Especially through uh, COVID. And so it's been it's been two or three years now, at the very least, if not four or five, that I haven't seen this happening. And it is now where I'll see job ads 
generally I see job ads that people are making fun of on the internet. But I'll see job ads where it's like, all right, come and work at this restaurant. We're in downtown Chicago. We do this many covers a night. And we're located at this amount, uh, this place. And come here during these hours and apply in person, right? With no fucking details at all. There's no base pay. There's no, here's what your benefits are. There's no, here's what your schedule looks like. Nothing, 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 nothing. I have not, again, I haven't been to a job interview in eight years. And I haven't, I haven't been to a cattle call probably since college, probably since like the late nineties, early aughts, right? Where I showed up with a whole bunch of other people and it was just like battle royale to get a job. Anybody out there who has attended one of these things, because even in my company, we do job fairs, but that's a little bit different. That's more of like a, an expo for us as opposed to a come in and impress us and maybe we'll hire you. Anybody out there who has been to one of those, God, I want to know what that experience is like these days, because it's got to be wildly different from what I encountered in the 90s, you know? Yeah. Or, or someone hasn't hired since the 90s, and they're like, oh, no, we need uh, – how did we used to do that? Oh, yeah. Well, and so I belong to this closed Facebook group uh, that is Chicago Service Industry. And generally when I encounter these, it's because someone is putting that ad up, and then they're getting roasted for it because it's like – it's just in that group's rules that you have to post wages and the location and hours of operation and stuff like that for the protection of the people who might apply. Or somebody is posting one of those to make fun of it. So either an employer is posting it or somebody else is like, look at these fucking jokers. And without question, across the board, they're reviled. Where it's just like, you're not doing any work to try to make this sound fun. The underlying message is still, hey, you motherfuckers, just get in here and apply for a job. And then we'll decide if you're cool. Like, that's weird. That's a weird flex. It's a weird attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that I think will never um, leave the industry is weird flexes. <laughs> I don't know about other people's experience with this, but I remember as a kid, and I was never destitute. Like, I never had to have a job just because of the way I lucked into jobs that I had. And, you know, because I was either sharing an apartment with somebody else or I was in the dorms in college or whatever. And so it was never like, I have got to have a job today, you know? So I was able to be fairly picky, but I remember that for the most part, the way that I looked at jobs was I would try to find the restaurant I was excited about. I would try to find the, like, I'm really tired of working at this high end hotel. All I'm doing is making burgers and dropping chicken tenders for room service, even though this is this four star hotel. I'm going to go learn about Creole food, right? Like I was very particular about like, I want to go not to a new job, that new job, you know? I don't know if that's how it's done anymore, but I, I also, again, I haven't had a job interview in eight years. So yeah. <laughs> how, how am I supposed to know? The amount of noise out there too, because again, now I'm an employer sort of, where we're putting ads up on Craigslist, on Facebook, on Indeed, on our company's website. I don't know how you parse all of that. Like as an employee, a potential employee, I don't know what the like search term optimization kind of a thing looks like. I can figure <laughs> it out, but I haven't had to. So like, uh, how does that go? Because I remember like you would see help wanted in a window god i sound like i was getting jobs in the 50s 
And then later on, be like, wait a minute, that's right. That place that I've enjoyed eating at is looking for a cook. Maybe I'll go apply there. I mean, I, I think that makes sense in, um, if nothing else. And, I mean, you... Um, that's how you kind of moved around too, right? We've talked about this before. Is you were like, okay, I've I've either learned everything I can here, or I'm bored here. So you start looking. What what else do I want to learn? Wh where's a place that excites me? And I think um, that that's probably one of the reasons. Even though you're still not doing what you were doing then, in yeah. terms of being in a standalone restaurant, it's probably one of the reasons you're still in the industry. Because you chased the interest, you didn't chase a check or a number or some other um, more tangible, maybe, thing that, that didn't lead to fulfillment. Well, there's all of that is true. And there's another thing that we need to get away from in the industry, which is thinking that there's only one path to advancement and thinking that, that there's only one flavor of success, right? So, like... That's another thing that I want managers and owners and chefs to understand is that sometimes when a staff member quits, it's not you. Sometimes they'll quit for the reasons that I did, which is like, look, I've worked here for a year and a half. I've now checked off this box. I know how to do this stuff now. I'm going to go to the next thing. And that's the conversation that you want to be able to have with an employee where they're getting ready to leave and you're like, you know what? I get it. You have to move on to the next educational step for you. You are going to go learn a new thing or maybe you are moving to a management role in this other thing. Maybe you are moving to a place where you know a guy. Maybe maybe it, it maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the restaurant, but you have to take the time and spend the effort finding that out, right? At the same time, it is worth thinking that maybe it's okay for an employee to work as a prep cook at your hotel forever get standard scheduled raises every year, every nine months, whatever, do that job really well. And it's not a failure if that person never becomes a sous chef, never becomes a chef de cuisine, that kind of thing. Maybe that dude is a really good prep cook and that's all he wants. Yeah. Maybe that gal is a great server and that's all she wants, right? Like maybe it's okay to find a job you dig and just stay in it, you know? Because there is this overwhelming drive to like, be line lead, be chef de cuisine, be sous chef, be the chef owner, right? Like, and to, to follow that track because that is what we've been told success looks like. It doesn't have to. And so you can do just as much damage by promoting somebody out of what they're good at and giving them a whole host of frustrations that they're not capable of handling. Yeah. Yeah, what, what would that uh, promotion without permission? <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I'm promoting you, motherfucker. Well, but no, I'm happy here. Too bad. We want you to be unhappy at a higher pay rate. Exactly. <laughs> I want you to be expensive and miserable. So the thing that's, I was that's another trap. Sorry, if I can just finish this off. Sure. Uh, if uh, an employee comes to you and says, pay me more or I'm going to quit, you let them quit. Yeah. Because <laughs> if someone says, pay me more or I'm going to quit, they're still going to quit. But until they do, they're more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they're yeah, because the they'll they'll convince themselves that they're happy for a week or two, but they're still gonna not be on. They're still not gonna be happy, and they know they tricked you. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Now I'm done. 
Um, the other thing I was looking for, I couldn't find it. I, I saw this, uh, I forget where it was, but an image, um, and again, some of this stuff might just be for clicks, so I don't know if it's actually true, but what they were purporting was that this was hung up in a break room or something like that, and it was, I believe it was for a restaurant, that's why I was looking it up, but it was, um, uh, you're going to get deducted X amount for a uniform, you're going to get deducted X amount for um, per, per day of training, and what? you're going to get deducted X amount for the employee handbook, and uh, yeah, it, it was a whole list of things. And and uh, I think it varies per state on whether or not you can even be charged for your uniform. Right. Um, but I have had that happen, I know, uh, somewhere in my lifetime. But definitely not for like, you can't get charged for being trained where you work. Um, Depending on what it is. And in fact, it generally goes the other way. Like if you're a server trainer at uh, a hotel, like a big fancy hotel, Sometimes what'll happen is while you're training in your new job, you'll get paid more, but you don't get any of the tips. And then your trainer right. also gets paid a little bit more and still gets the tips, right? Because that person's taking on an extra role. But at no point should you be paid less for anything. That's another right. thing that I did see. And this is another red flag, ladies and gentlemen. Quit immediately, but take a picture of it. There was one notification that I saw, again, like up in a break room or something. Some sheet of paper that was printed off of some angry manager's office. That said, from now on, if you quit, during your last two weeks, we are cutting your pay. Yeah. And you are going to be required to train your replacement. Fucking quit that day and don't call. Don't just do a no-call, no-show. Fuck those guys. Because that's that's actively saying to your employees, we are going to devalue you because we know you're leaving. This is how much you are worth to us. Less. Yes. Um. And I did, so I did find it. I just forwarded it to you. So again, like I said, this could just be somebody printed this off on their printer because they thought it would make good for good internet uh, news theater. But this is purportedly what this place was doing. Employee handbook charge, $10. Front of house training manual, which is how I knew it was a restaurant, but you can't read that one. File processing <laughs> fee, $50. Payroll processing fee, $5. W-2 processing fee, $10. Uniform cost, t-shirt, $12. Training cost, $25 per day of training. Hiring process costs, process, hiring processing costs, $25. Um, no, no, yeah, run, no. run, run. And, and yep, it, don't it, do it. It's, I mean, half of this cannot be legal. Right. At least. But again, I mean, if it's, if it's not explicitly illegal and it's in the hiring paperwork, they can kind of put whatever they want in there as long as it's not, like you said, discriminatory or actually prohibited by law. Yes. Well, and that's what I mean, like a W-2 processing fee, I'm fairly certain must be prohibited prohibited by law, though I, I don't know for certain. But that's something like, well, those are tax papers that I'm required to file. You're required yeah. to file. So, you know, how can you be charging me 10 bucks for that? And what is a $50 file processing fee? What files are you processing? That's just that's just a money grab. This that's is like, yeah. this is the uh, employment version of the application fee for college. <laughs> yes yeah um but uh, but yeah i mean you're out 10 65 75 125 67 137 dollars you're in the hole if you accept this job yeah no thank you yeah 
And what this is, I mean, especially if you're looking at file processing fees and W-2 fees, this is somebody who looked at their P&L and said, you know what? We spend a lot of money on payroll taxes. We spend a lot of money doing background checks. We spend a lot of money uh, printing off these employee handbooks and buying uniforms. We're going to get that back from the employees. Yeah. It's it's like you said. It's either illegal or it's awful. It's one of the two. Or it could be both, I suppose. I mean, it's borderline company store stuff, right? Ah, uh, yes, very much so. Oh, yeah, guaranteed they offer to take that out of your first paycheck and not uh, require cash right away. Yeah. Oh, well, and at that much money, I mean, just, I don't know how many checks they're going to take it out of. And, you can't, of course, you can't <laughs> quit until you've paid for all that or, or you owe it right. to the company. And, or, yeah. and plus probably whatever interest they say is accruing and... Uh, yada 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 but uh, and you would think people wouldn't do stuff like this because you're like you know you're gonna get caught how audacious do you have to be to think you can do this to begin with and then you get people like that dude in texas who had three restaurants and was there was some what was he doing stealing payroll or not paying people overtime or something like this and then yeah. was then, and then was tips, right yeah, and taking tips as managers, and then recorded in a meeting saying the same things. Be like, no, 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 people will do that because people are audacious and cocky and egotistical and think they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, managers, owners, uh, piece of advice, don't write this shit down. Because you're really going to get caught if you write it down and post it. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um. Back to Connecticut real quick. Sure. So the only thing that we did that was unique, we did not make it to steam cheeseburgers. Oh no. Okay. Um, so it did not this time around, but it, hopefully it will still be there. So we'll be we'll be back at some point and we'll have to give it a go because I do want to try. But uh, um, with my sister being you know gluten and dairy free, a steam yeah. cheeseburger on a gluten bun wasn't really going to be her cup of tea. But anyway, we try. We did make it to Iggy's, um, which is where they had the Doughboys. Oh yeah, yeah. Which we talked about briefly, and not at all what I expected, and a little um, disconcerting. I don't know. So <laughs> it it was pizza dough. They said it was pizza dough, and first of all, they were only about yay big, bigger around than a can of coke, maybe. Uh yeah. Okay. Um, but and they were more oval. You could see the finger dents. Oh great! In the one side, yeah, I, I, that's not something that's always been like super appealing to me. Like I've never really thought about it because I think this is the first food I've eaten where I could tell that they were finger dents. Ah. Um, you there know. are things you could dent dough with that would be worse. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like when I bit into the first one, they they had I, maybe just plain. They had cinnamon and sugar and powdered sugar. We got the cinnamon and sugar. I thought that seemed like the best idea. Um, maybe the uh, maybe the other one was something savory. I don't think so because I think they were all desserts. So maybe it wasn't plain. I don't know. The other one was wasabi. So my thinking was th- th- these were fried, and I think they were, but I don't know how they were because it was the softest fried dough I have ever bitten into, and maybe that's like one of their um, selling points, is that it's like biting into a dough cloud. But, like, honestly, huh. when I bit into the first one, I was like, I don't think this is done. But I was like, oh, no, it's not doughy. It just seemed like it was because it seemed like I was biting it through raw dough. Right. Uh, it was that soft. Um, and they were like, you could get three, like six or nine, I think. We just got three. And Kayla and I each ate one. We were like, well, that's probably sufficient for us to <laughs> have experienced that. And uh, 
So, um, yeah, it was really curious. And then I tried the, the next one the next day because we were like, maybe after it's set for, you know, that long, um, it'll be different. But it was a little, uh, maybe just a little bit tougher. Um, so it wasn't as like, oh, my gosh, this is raw dough. Um, right. It didn't seem like raw dough. But it was one of those things as well. Where I was like, if this is pizza dough, I can't imagine a pizza on this dough. Um, oh, okay. Because I don't know. I, I don't know. It just seemed... It didn't taste like any pizza dough that I'd had, but it, which isn't to say. I mean, there's lots of pizza doughs I've never had. So, is there um, a Connecticut specific pizza, or is it just pizza that has mayor sauce on it? <laughs> I don't even think this place did pizza. They they did. I think it was primarily lobster rolls while people were there. Ah, okay. And I I got the chicken parm because it was easy and it wasn't twenty six dollars like the lobster roll, and uh, it was. It was fine. I mean, like, how do you do a chicken parm wrong? Yeah. Um, but it was like, it was one of those. It was like, well, you didn't do it wrong, but it wasn't something or like, oh, I have to go back there and have another one of these. Now um, I want a chicken parm pizza. That would but be But not good. just like a pizza with chicken on it. Like I want a breaded and shallow pan fried chicken breast with marinara sauce on it and mozzarella and Parmesan cheese. And then put all that onto a pizza. <laughs> That, see, that goes back to what we were talking about last time, which is putting more thought into your thing instead of just... <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, that was the culinary... Um, we, we ate at this place that was um, actually not too bad. They did paninis. They said they were vegan-friendly, but I don't know what that means in terms of how they prepared stuff. But they've never reopened sort of their little storefront since the pandemic. Sure. You still order at one of their doors, and you pick up at the other door. So they've turned the entire store into basically their production you know, oh, so yeah, they can yeah. they can spread out and and they have a lot more space and uh, it it seemed to be jumping. People were calling and my sister and I both got she got a gluten free wrap and then I got uh, a different wrap um, and that was uh, that was good. But it wasn't anything like you know unique to Connecticut or anything like that. Ah, okay. We so thinking about fried dough. Uh, there was a week stretch. I think it was two weeks ago where I was dropping my son off at one camp. Parents. You can feel me on this one. I was dropping my son off at a camp at 8 in the morning, and then my daughter's camp didn't start till 9, but they were geographically fairly close together. So all three of us would go, and I would drop my son off at his camp, and then my daughter and I would have like 55 minutes to kill before dropping her off at her camp. And so we did a tour of uh, northwest side of Chicago coffee shops and stuff, right? Roughly in the Portage Park, Old Irving, sort of wayside kind of area, right? Wait, Mayfair, Mayfair. And so one of the places we went to is called Junebug Cafe, which opened while we lived there. And we went there once and I made a mistake. I made the mistake of going like in their first week that they were open and I was unimpressed. And then I didn't go back, which is the mistake. There's two mistakes. First mistake is going right when they first opened. Second mistake is not going back. My wife had gone back and friends of mine had gone there and loved it and whatever. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were terrible. So that was one of the places my daughter and I went. And it's like a Creole, like a Cafe du Monde kind of a joint, right? They're playing um, New Orleans jazz in there. They've got, you know, chicory coffee and whatever and beignets. And my daughter had never had beignets before. So we got her an order of those. It was two. And I was like, I don't know. It's like 12 bucks for this fucking massive they were huge <laughs> she only ate one and then we took the other one home that she ate after camp that day uh she had not had them before she loved it 
so that was a that was a fun thing. I do worry about Junebug Cafe because they are expanding. They're taking their current location and making it into a sandwich shop, and they're moving Junebug over to another location, which is over on Milwaukee, north of Irving, in a space which I'm pretty sure is haunted because it is. It, that will now be the probably the fifth restaurant I've seen in that space, and they've all had uh, awful times in Aww. that space. So maybe this one has it dialed in. I don't know. Maybe they know exactly what they're getting into. I worry about them, so I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Watch that unfold. Oh, that will be curious. Um, I will say as well that beignets are one of those things where you there is no standard size yeah. has been my uh, impression. And so, yeah, they might be, uh, you know, a few bites, but they might be as big as your head. It just really depends <laughs> on the whim of whoever's making them. Yeah. Um, um, so I have, a, I have a game I want to play with you that I happened <laughs> upon incidentally. Sure. So before this, I sent Ben some images from my garden because uh, I've got some pepper plants. I'm pretty sure the one is poblano. It could be something else. Um, it's a couple jalapenos and a couple different plants. Again, I presume they're jalapenos. The one I know is... And uh, um, the other one, I presume, is just ba based on shape, but I've lost my markers that told me what the plants yeah, were. Yeah, um, And then there's one that it, the pepper is growing straight up off of the uh, <laughs> off of the thing, and it looks like the plant is flipping me off, especially from my kitchen window, which I thought was pretty funny. So I was just Googling, trying to find um, what the pepper is, and I believe it is a Hungarian wax pepper. Oh, okay. Um Either that or it's a banana pepper, but I don't think I planted any banana peppers, but it's it's one of the two, and it looks like it's flipping me off. But I came across this website, and I want to send you pictures of okay. their things, and you tell me what you would name these. <laughs> if And some of them, well, we'll just, we'll just go through. So this is going to be the game. Um, so this is the first, and then I'll reveal the website at the end if anyone... Well, I can tell everybody now. It's Fair Dinkum Seeds, F-A-I-R-D-I-N-K-U-M-S-E-E-D-S. Dot com. Don't go there, Ben, because uh, I don't want you to cheat. Um, but uh, this is not in the U.S., as you might be able to tell, Ben, by the first photo, because in the one showing you kind of the size, there is a... Um, uh, I think Fair Dinkum is Australian, right? I don't know. An Australian term. So I think that's an Australian nickel. Um, in the so this, these, are, these are pictures of cherry tomato kind of things. What, what I just sent you, yes. They won't, yeah. won't all be... But, um, yeah, and some of them, the, yeah, so anyway, I was just wondering what you would, um, if you were going to name this, what you would name it. So I would call these champagne tomatoes just because if you ever get champagne grapes, those are not the grapes that champagne is made out of. They're very, very, very small grapes that are known to look sort of like the bubbles in champagne. So I would call these champagne tomatoes because these things are minuscule. Yes. They're clearly ripe, but they are tiny. I think your name is better because what they've named it or what they have here is World's Smallest Salanum. Salanum? World's Smallest okay. Salanum. <laughs> uh, which they say is from a wild tomato breed. Uh, and some of these, like for one of them, the guy's like, I think this is what this is. Um, but keep in mind they're selling the seeds too. But he's like, I, I, I did all my best to Google this and I think this is what this is. And he kind of describes the taste um, so, okay, so there's that one. Um, well, before you go on, so I have two, three plants of Midnight Snack cherry tomatoes, the purple cherry tomatoes, that are going gangbuster. They're putting out a ton of fruit. My German Johnson has one 
giant tomato that will be ripe in the next like week or so and probably four more on that plant my tigerella has about a dozen tomatoes on it my san marzanos easy 30 tomatoes on that plant just tons and tons of fruit i have one called hillbilly that has about six or eight tomatoes on it and then i have one other plant that i forget which one that is that has again like six or eight uh, I have them under that screen tent because the plants themselves were getting kind of sunburned, you know. But I may have to move them out because in particular the midnight snacks won't ripen unless they have direct sunlight. Right. So I might have to move those out. Boy, do I not want to move them in and out every day. But, like, I might have to move those out and see if they ripen up over a couple of days or not. I think uh, – well, I don't know. The one I was looking at when we were looking at all the purple tomato stuff – it was like it. It's only gonna turn uh, black on the side that gets the sun. Yeah, yeah. So I think they'll still get ripe, right? They're just not gonna generate whatever that is that makes them so healthy. Lycopene. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move the one, the larger plant out today. Give it a couple of days and see how it goes. But the German Johnson, I'm probably gonna have to move out as well because it's starting to pink up. But it's supposed to be like a deep, like a rich ruby red. So I'm gonna see if that one also needs more light. Interesting. A minor, I've got oodles of Roma and tomatoes on the vine out there. And then my, um, we were gone for a week. A neighbor did um, look after stuff for me and said she watered a couple times. But the, the Livingston tomatoes, um, those plants are looking, uh, I think they're concentrating on the fruit because the vines are looking a little worse for wear. But everything's ah. still alive. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you don't have any tomatoes yet because I was like, I thought for sure maybe something would ripen this week. But everything's just there on the vine getting yep. bigger and bigger all right so yes that was so world's smallest so i'm going to send you this one and this one i sent in particular because of the lower left hand which to yeah. me looks like a dragon grabbing an orb of some kind it really does i was <laughs> gonna say turkey oh yeah that too, uh, turkey yeah. foot uh, <laughs> it's got a beautiful purple flower though it does, and a, and a horrific plant that it's growing on. Yeah, I'm going to call this the spiky turkey foot. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm looking at. This, uh, I mean, I love this name. I don't know if you could, if it'd be legal to get these in the States or if you'd want this in your garden, but according to this uh, fair dinkum seeds, it's the Transylvanian porcupine zombie tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm back in. This sounds awesome. <laughs> we are trying really hard to not have... Uh, non-indigenous plants in the backyard yeah you know aside from the food plants like i don't know where the cucumbers are from that i uh am growing by the way my cucumbers i now have a thousand cucumbers i have i have no idea what to do with all these things i'm just overloaded with cucumbers um but as far as like bushes and flowers and stuff we're trying to keep them to our growing zone and, and that sort of thing to help with pollinators and such it almost might be worth it to bring in this transylvanian zombie tomato though holy smokes <laughs> It's like, uh, this is one of those things, again, back to Calvin and Hobbes, I wouldn't look at this plant and say, you know what, it's inviting me to eat whatever grows on it. <laughs> right. Why is it yellow and translucent? And and why are there claws on the stem? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it, but it's it's pretty amazing and it had a great name. Um, okay. Uh, okay. This one um, isn't going to be, I don't think, quite as, uh, pardon the clicks, everybody, um, if you're hearing them and are annoyed by my clicks, but I have to send ben the images somehow so mouse work it's going to be this one's kind of cute i think looking huh. um, so unripe it looks like a tiny tiny little watermelon yes 
You know, I have kind of noticed that my tomatoes are a little stripy, though not this pronounced. I, w- I wouldn't yeah. say that mine look like uh, watermelons. And, it, and it's one, another one of those that doesn't look very big, right? No, it does not. Uh, I'm going to call this a watermelon bell tomato. Looks like a little bell. Nice. I think you'd be good at naming tomatoes. However, this is, according <laughs> to this person, the cannibal tomato. Oh, gross. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe it eats other tomatoes. Um, See, I would be in for that, too, though, especially if it tried to eat the Transylvanian zombie tomato. Yeah, yes. Okay, this one is fun, and this one is another one that uh, I uh, I would be tempted to grow if it was something that, you know, was more indigenous. I don't know if it is, but there you go. Wow. So that one, it's really lumpy. Yes. But you know what it looks like that most people would not know? It looks like sweetbreads. It looks like veal thalamus gland that you okay. uh cut up even to the point where like the the like separations between the little lumps almost because you have to pull off this uh sort of a membrane around the the sweetbreads it almost looks like that so i'm gonna call this one sweetbread tomato okay i think you know uh this is, and this is the one where the guy's like i'm pretty certain this is what this is but he calls it tomato brain <laughs> okay yeah there you go it, it looks very organ-y yeah and this is what he says in the thing, or she, this is what they say. Um, I got these seeds from a French customer originally, uh, originally, and they called them, quote, brain tomato. No idea what to expect when I planted them, as I didn't have a picture to go from. As you can see, the result was quite surprising. I've since discovered that they're most likely the Voyager or, Peru- uh, or Peruvian Traveler, uh, which are heirloom varieties made famous for the ability of storing really well and being huh. torn apart without a knife. Um so he says that or they say that they're 85 percent sure that that's what they are although they don't uh they're not the the taste is not as sour or acidic as uh described by most folks so they're uncertain if that's actually what they are but um that is what they suggest and yeah it definitely i they're lobes for sure so i could understand why brain tomato would make sense even if it's not the official name very interesting like never i've never encountered a tomato like that um So that's how you would say it in French. That's brain tomato. (laughs) Nice. As soon as you said that it was a French customer of this person's, that immediately made me think it probably has a name in French. Now, I'm not saying that's what that is. That's just a literal translation. So if you Google that, though, is that does that come up with something similar on French? Uh, I do not know. (laughs) We'll have to we'll have to do some research. Okay, here's another one that is going to be similar to the zombie tomato, but it is not. I, because I just noticed uh, some of the spikes. It doesn't look like it's grabbed by a turkey foot, though, I don't think. <laughs> and this is not a tomato. Um, it looks a little bit like a, uh, a citron, like a, little, like a, a little, little citrus fruit kind of a thing. Again, very, very pretty purple flower. Very spiky. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend getting this one because uh um well i'll tell you the name it's devil's apple fruit of sodom yowzer poison you know where eggplant. that one goes it's poison, poison eggplant yeah it's and it's not edible it is poisonous okay so i was gonna say that the fruit itself looks like it's wearing a little wizard hat but like yeah. from the bad <laughs> wizard in the movie well, I mean, and both of them, I feel like, because the, there's the unripe one right above what I presume yeah. is the ripe one, but looks like a dragon egg to me. Or the eggs from the uh, alien movie. Yes, yes. 
which I'm about halfway through that book. It's a very well-written book. Do you know if, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Steve gave me a copy of Alien, the novel. Was it written and the movie was based on it, or is it the other way around? Is it's this the, the other- novelization? Yes, the novelization. And as with most novelizations, the, they would have had like first draft of script, or at least not shooting script. They would have had one that they kind of went to shooting with, um, sure. but would have been modified you know, before actually shooting began. So they, there might be some additions or omissions because of... Um, what happens when you shoot a movie yeah no it's good book i'm 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 enthralled awesome Caleb which is great after reading Duchovny's garbage book like it's a good <laughs> palate cleanser okay i've saved the last two for last because they're fun um so i mean let your imagination go wild when you try to name this guy and some of them maybe you've encountered before uh i don't know but this is the next one in <laughs> the first one that I saw. All right, so this one is clearly a Pokemon, <laughs> right? It's this blobby yellow, I'm presuming tomato, uh, that looks like a sideways Pokemon dragon head kind of a thing. Yes. But- like if if, if uh, Toothless from the How to Train Your Dragon series was yellow and more of a cartoon, like a Muppet baby Toothless who's yellow. <laughs> That's a long name for a tomato. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, I guess this one is poisonous, but it says if you you rub it on your door lintels and your do- around your door, it, it keeps cockroaches out. Oh. The leaves um, look like maple leaves. They do. Um, now, if you were to turn this so the right side is pointed down, does that give you any uh, ideas about anything? I mean, it almost looks like one of the ghosts from the Pac-Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, according to this person, and again, they're Australian, so I'll try to do this like this. <laughs> Maybe it'll sound more authentic. But I don't know if they should have a uh, slash or a dish somewhere in here. But according to this person, it's the cow's utter titty fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate-ish. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yep. <laughs> and it's I mean it's not the same color as a an udder right. a cow's udder but uh yeah so all right best for last um well I mean I might be giving away the game here a little too much by even saying that um but I'll let you decide <laughs> what you would call this as soon as the picture arrives <laughs> that's a dick pepper yeah <laughs> um wow in fact yeah, and uh, again, according to a Down Under, I presume it's um, Crocodile Dundee. This <laughs> is the uh, Peter Penis Pepper. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, who is not circumcised yet fully erect? <laughs> While pointing down somehow, because it's not like my pepper that's flipping me off, or is uh, fully erect. Uh, but wow. um, it's uh, and now this one is edible. I guess. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. Um, so if you want to, they say, as the name suggests, they really do look like a penis. And <laughs> just for ornamental reasons, they make a perfect addition to any garden or patio. A great comical gift. If you want to send them to a friend or family member, just keep your billing address. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the plants are quite attractive and get heaps of actual chilies, all ripening over a long period of time and providing a great adi- addition to curries, salsas, and stir fries. They smoke and dry very well. If you want to store them or make flake powder or pastes from them. I don't know. I mean, penis pepper paste, is that... I don't Hard know if to you say, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and you don't want to just have a jar of penis paste in your cupboard. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, the flavor and aroma is awesome, too, a bit with a bit of complexity, not just pure heat, though it does a pack a, a punch at between 10,000 and 25,000 Scovilles. It, that's that's the kind of plant that would be fun to plant just around. Just like walk around your neighborhood and drop those seeds. Yeah. <laughs> and then they grow and people ignore them. And then all of a sudden you've got a plant full of dicks like on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if you like could sneak them into neighbor's gardens and yeah, they think yeah, they yeah. just have a volunteer pepper plant. And then when they start to grow, they, they go out and they're checking their plants. And then they're like looking around and they have to they erect like just a black box around it that says censored. <laughs> well, there's a group here in Chicago because they're constantly – construction going on in chicago you remember there's a group here in town oh god i'm gonna forget what they're called but they are a group of people who want to reintroduce a bunch of these you know native flowering plants that support pollinators and whatever right and so they'll go to where the ground is just all torn up because of construction and just chuck a bunch of those seeds down and let nature take its course you know and so you could easily do that with these dick peppers yeah (laughs) so you just sent me the link to be able to buy these because obviously you knew that was the next thing i was going to (laughs) ask which i will totally be buying because i'm already thinking about my garden for next year steve so these tomatoes have worked out great but i need larger containers for them so i'm going to try to get a hold of some like either really large ground pots or if i can find them like old wine barrels kind of thing right whiskey barrels something like that something that looks cool oh nice yeah i bought corn Right. I don't want to say seeds because that's weird. They're corns, you know, of this variety called gem corn, which grows like in all these different colors. And uh, I'm going to plant them next year. And I'm very excited about it because you can eat them, but I'm really going to grow them for decorative purposes. Like leave them, you know, husk them, but leave the husk attached, dry them out and and have them around. Um, I'm going to send you a picture of them right now. You know, on the same subject, did I tell you that the the trick that I saw online for germinating tomato plants? No. Um, you you take an electric toothbrush. And, <gasps> you did send me that one, yeah. Yes. Um. So the penis pepper reminded me of that for some reason. Um. Uh. Yeah. So anything that vibrates. Oh yeah, gr- those are awesome. Yeah. Steve sent me this video of a fellow who was not apologetic at all, and he was using a toothbrush an electric toothbrush to essentially vibrate the stems of a of a, of a or the vines or the leaves or whatever of a tomato plant because they're self-pollinators right so they've got the the stamen and the pistil and all of that in there you just need to get the different parts of the reproductive organ of the flower to interact and so he was vibrating them by just setting a an electric toothbrush against the side of that plant and allowing it to vibrate and he goes they're they're all fertilized now and yeah you could totally just use a vibrator if, if that's the yeah. thing that vibrates that's closest to hand for you you know yeah i don't know yeah. that i want to use my toothbrush out there on my tomatoes yeah and i think they also in that video that they were someone was like tapping or flicking it yeah yeah which is also i guess you know yep <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean whatever whatever floats your boat so anyway yeah this heirloom uh corn seeds corns yeah um, now, d- did you have to choose one, or is this like one of these is going to happen? I don't know the answer to that. So they sent me, I ordered two packets of it. I don't really know what I was expecting, but there's like 30 corns in each one. And ideally, each one will grow an entire plant. So we're just going to see. 
the boxes that my wife built, the raised uh, garden beds that my wife built this year, she is not satisfied with the quality of the dirt that she put in there. So she's currently growing oats and something else in those boxes that she's going to sort of like plow under. You know, it's not obviously we're not going to use a plow. The whole thing itself is like five and a half feet long. <laughs> but the idea is to enrich that soil, and we're going to put all of our compost in there as well. Uh, it turns out that the volunteer squash that's over there that came in through that compost is uh, pumpkins. We have two pumpkins growing out the side of one of those boxes now. <laughs> but I'm planning on either doing uh, barrels for this corn or maybe i'll do the back of all of those boxes and just plant all those corns in a line because i'm not going to want to harvest them until they're super tall anyway so it's not like i'm worried that they're going to be behind something that i won't be able to get past to get to the corn you know i could just do a whole row of corn over there if yeah. i wanted to nice and then uh, then you'll have it for the fall to hang up or whatever yeah as an experiment if it works then i'm totally growing my own popcorn uh, oh yeah well this this that you sent me are these is this just for aesthetics or can it be prepared in any way it, i, mean, I it believe it's i believe it's edible but i don't know the answer to that i'll have to check yeah um because my i know my grandpa had some of this stuff i think just hanging up in the barn and i think like the pigs or whatever would have eaten it because field corn always got really hard and crunchy um, these almost look like sweet corn. Uh, they, uh, I mean, it doesn't, or maybe they were just like freshly picked because zooming in on this thing, they look real, uh, real glossy and fresh. But, um, uh, yeah, he had some just out with the field corn, which he just had, you know, all kinds of ears of corn just sitting in the, um, corn cribs that we would, uh, throw to the pigs and stuff as kids just to entertain ourselves. I mean, this thing that I sent you indicates that it can either be ground up for cornmeal or made into popcorn, but um, this is not the website that I bought my seeds from. So I don't know okay. if there are varieties of this or not. I'll have to look at the packet. Gotcha. Yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. And I will, again, this. so by like this time next year, I'll be able to tell you, hey, my corn is <laughs> you know, doing whatever it's doing. Yeah. And I'll be very excited about it, I'm sure. Yeah, it's going to be – got to figure something else out too for next year for us because uh, just – we were unprepared because we'd never done it before, although we could have just asked someone who has, a.k.a. Ben, um, <laughs> unprepared for some of the plants to explode the way they did. And we also then learned that uh, tomatillos need two tomatillo plants in order to uh, germinate. Um, and we have a giant zucchini right now because we got that from the seed library and we wanted to return the favor, so we have to let one actually get um, ripe – quote unquote for for seeds yeah um so we didn't harvest this one um to eat we're letting it go and boy howdy is it the biggest zucchini i've ever seen right now <laughs> it, it so we have that in a bucket the tomato plant in the bucket seems to be doing the best as far as our tomatoes go like the plant itself um other than the roma and i don't know if that's because it, it's holding the moisture a little bit better in that soil uh whether it's because there's nothing to compete with it or maybe it's just a better plant i don't know but the zucchini thing we put in a bucket as well. And when we left, the zucchini was kind of um, out like this. And now yeah. we're back, and it's pulling the whole plant toward the ground. <laughs> it's kind of turned into a bell shape, I think, just from gravity pulling whatever into the bottom. It's it's maybe, you know, as big as my forearm. 
And uh, it's not quite touching the ground. Like, the what's left of the flower is kind of touching the ground, but the zucchini itself isn't touching the ground. It's just hanging ah. off the side of the bucket. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we're supposed to wait until stripes appear, maybe, on it to to know that I've, it's seedable. I've never grown a zucchini all the way to seed. So, I... I, I can't wait to learn from from your experience yeah it's either that or the flower is going to turn into legs and it's going to invade our home and kill us yeah um yeah so one of those things is going to happen i presume that the pumpkins we're accidentally growing are carving pumpkins because they've already gotten pretty darn big and the only pumpkin seeds that i would have had because chickens love that kind of crap and we would have um given yeah, we would have given all of the like interior gunk to the chickens of the pumpkin seeds. And then when my wife or my daughter or I clean up the chicken area, if there's anything that we've given them that they haven't eaten, then that goes into the compost. So that's likely what that is. So I'm already growing two carving pumpkins for the fall, which is nice. I am tempted, like you said, you were growing them in a bucket and I, now I understand what you're talking about for your zucchini but i am tempted to get those pumpkins up off the ground because i am worried about them sitting and being damp underneath and, and eventually rotting as opposed to uh just growing and being dry and whatever so but I, it could be kind of cool to carve a pumpkin that i grew yeah um i mean they grow on the ground out regular yeah well i mean like getting something like straw underneath them you know, okay not like not like putting them in a chair you know. Right, <laughs> which well, could be see, cool too. <laughs> you could get one of those uh, those pet beds, which looks like tiny trampol trampolines. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and put that under them. That's supposed to get airflow under, um, just for giggles. Because um, I was like, you wouldn't want like a um, put like a drying rack or something under there, because then it's just gonna like grow into the rack, right? Yeah, You'd have a yeah, yeah. weird. It looked like it's trying to break out of prison. Right. Right. Yeah. Which also could be cool. Yes. <laughs> That's how the Frankenstein ones happened. I'm, someone was yes. like, I need to get yeah, these yeah. off the ground and put like a uh, chicken wire or something under them. And then they just grew into it. And they're like, aha, I'll make them into Frankenstein. <laughs> and the rest is history. Right. Uh, I would like to do two shout outs to finish this episode, Steve. Sure. One of which I need to find because I sent you... A picture of it it was a lead on oh you know what? i didn't send you a picture it was a lead on uh, ice cream which we talked about in our previous episode about weird ass ice creams there is an ice cream shop not far from me north of the city in niles i want to say or, or morton grove that nicole one of our listeners hipped me to and i had forgotten i've been there and i had <laughs> the um red bean the sweet red bean paste ice cream and it was delightfully weird it's one of those things where it's like you know what i'm going into this knowing this is going to be either a flavor or a texture combination i am not accustomed to having in an ice cream and right. so i approached it with that amount of open-mindedness and it was delightful right if somebody had just been like hey do you want this chocolate ice cream and it was that instead it would have been awful you know <laughs> but knowing going into it this is going to be a unique experience it was really good and i would totally go back to that place so i may have to uh not tonight but sometime this week recommend to my family that we go get some ice cream <laughs> tonight we are going to be and by the time ladies and gentlemen you hear this it'll already have happened we're going to be getting food from a place called north branch fried chicken which is on Northwest Highway in Chicago, you know, northwest side of the city, uh, owned by a fellow named John and his wife, and they are closing 
at the end of this week. They've been in business for three years. I met John and his wife at a farmer's market like five years ago. And they were selling their hot sauce and barbecue sauce and like barbecue rubs. And I just love that kind of crap. I love meeting the people who are making the thing. They're scrappy, doing their own thing, whatever. And then he opened up this restaurant and I was like, oh shit. And I checked it out. Dude does great burgers, ribs, fried chicken, all that kind of stuff. And he's also one of these guys. And I don't know how much of this comes from his wife either as well, because I don't know her terribly well. Real collaborative. He's this guy who's like, you know what, I'm going to host a maker's market in my space and bring people in who are making fun, fancy dog treats and are making like selling children's books and making hot sauce and stuff like that, right? Just a dude who wants to be part of the community. And you you find that a lot in restaurant people, but you don't, it's tough to make a thing like that work. So I don't know why they're closing, but... Um, in in the publications that I've read, because I haven't talked to him myself, he and his wife are looking at starting a family, and I think that they probably need to have more alone time away from the restaurant if they're going to physically yeah. make that happen, you know. Uh, the restaurant can uh, – he even mentioned this. There was an article in Block Club where he was like, the restaurant's been our baby, but we kind of want to have, like, a real human baby. So uh, it, it sucks in my industry, but sometimes you have to choose between as opposed to yeah. – having both so we're going to be having i haven't even ordered yet because it's like 11 or it's one o'clock in the afternoon here but we're we're probably going to have some food from them tonight because they are closing in a couple of days and i don't want to stress the guy out too bad on his last day you know yeah <laughs> order early in the week help him balance it out across yeah. the week so then we're probably not going to have ice cream tonight because that would be too many going outs in one day yeah okay. and when do they leave their last day is this friday which is no i meant your family they're they're not heading to Puerto Rico till the middle of August. Oh, that's right. Okay, so yeah, Friday is the last day for 28th. the restaurant. Twenty eighth, twenty eighth of July. Yep. And you know what? I have not. If if part of why they're closing is financial reasons, I have not supported that restaurant as much as I could have. They're not far from where my new house is, and I just have not gotten over there very often. Not because I've done other things as far as like eating at other restaurants, but just because we're eating at restaurants less often than we have in the past, right? So that's yeah. an across the board thing. Right. But I'm happy to go over there and spend some money today. Yeah. Also, you know? if they open in 2020, that was middle pandemic. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Um, I wonder how that ride was. <laughs> well, and maybe once they're fully closed up and everything, I can get them to come on the show. You never know. Yeah. Um. It would yeah, be cool would be to hear what that whole experience was like. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I mean, I don't know if they uh, they you know they, you said they had the rubs and stuff before. I don't know if they had another restaurant, but uh, to to be able to compare that experience to opening a restaurant pre pandemic, but yeah, I'm I I sounds like it would be a fascinating discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it would be it would be fun to get that perspective, the like post, because you don't run an unsuccessful restaurant for three years restaurants make or break within a year and a half so if you've done three you are generally in line to do five to ten but you know if 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 john and his wife are sincerely just being like you know what we found a good time to get out then yeah fucking more power to them to be honest yeah i wonder if they own the building or the space i do not know that it could also be a, a lease terms of lease thing yeah. Well, I also wondered because, uh, I mean, if you're making that decision, then you also have to make the decision, well, do we close or do we sell? 
Yeah. Um, so, and I, it could go either way. It could be like, well, they're not selling because they don't own the space, or it could be, well, they're not selling because they own the space and they can rent it now to whomever. Right. Um, or they don't own the space, so they really didn't have the option to really sell. They could sell the concept, but not really the... Um, so there's, I mean, who knows? Myriad uh, permutations of, of what could be going on. Yep. So now that I've said it out loud, I may, if he's there today, which he probably will be, maybe I'll broach the idea with him. See if he wants to come on and explain all that stuff to us. Because I really don't know. I don't know all the details of their, their operation. Yeah. Hey, after the PTSD of closing a restaurant has worn <laughs> off, uh, I want to chat right. with you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, and if we could, I'd like to finish up on a, uh, a heist, almost. Not a heist. Is this your other shout-out? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, this article was sent to me by another listener named Craig from News Channel 8. Uh, cocaine-filled cheese wheels seized <laughs> at the southern border. Right? Yeah. So, uh, this is in Texas, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers working at a port of entry in Texas intercepted nearly 18 pounds of cocaine concealed within several wheels of cheese. I cannot tell what kind of cheese this is, Steve, just looking at these pictures. And I'm pretty good with cheese. Yeah. But I do not know what this is. There is a joke in the reporting uh, that it was a Gouda attempt. Uh, that doesn't indicate to me that it's actually Gouda cheese, though. So apparently, because these are big, these are easy 14 inches across, round wheels of cheese, and they were scanned by whatever their machines are, if they do uh, x-ray or whatever, and the customs folks were like, this feels weird. So they cut into one of them full of cocaine. Hilarious. (laughs) And I love it. And I wonder if this is... A new attempt at a, a type of smuggling, or if people have been smuggling stuff into this country in fake cheese for years. So here's the here's my my question. Okay, so I don't understand the the photo um, with the thing on it that says Tesla, right? And, and H two O with the weird. Uh, it looks like whatever it is is inside a uh, a thing where you put your hands into fake gloves, but the side of it's open, and someone with just a black glove is reached in. And so anyway. Um, if you were going to do this, how much, how long of a con is this? Do you like, in the process of making the cheese, you wrap the cocaine in something and it's there being aged with the cheese as it turns into (laughs) cheese? Do you have cheese wheel molds that you like are melting cheese and re- congealing it around your cocaine? Are you cutting a cheese wheel open, putting it in there and somehow trying to reform the wax so that it doesn't look like it's been broken i'm i'm cutting open existing cheese to then hollow out and stuff it with cocaine this is not an admission that i've done this i'm just saying that's (laughs) the approach i would take Uh, at that point you know you're not going to eat it so you could if you cut it with a sharp enough knife you could glue it back together and have it be pretty seamless, especially if it was because in the left-hand picture they're wrapped in something. Right. Yeah. So you could like let's say it was a gouda. It's a very large gouda if that's the case. They're supposed to be preserved in like a wax, so you could then re-wax them if you wanted to, which this does not look like it was, but you could. It seems like a lot of work, but I bet you 18 pounds of cocaine gets you a lot of money. So maybe it's worth it. 
seven bundles filled with cocaine. The bundles had a combined weight of 17.8 pounds. Um, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, they're getting creative. I mean, you wonder what else has been smuggled in cheese. <laughs> right. Uh, and maybe they should have gone with Swiss. Does Swiss uh, have, uh, quote-unquote, anomalies that are uh, inherent to it? So uh, you wouldn't have to worry so much about them being found. Like, hey, this cheese shouldn't have a big cavity inside it. Very, very brief research here. I'm told that 18 pounds of cocaine is worth about $580,000. Oh, so yeah. I mean, if you had to buy seven cheeses, that probably, you know, probably didn't cost you that much. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, I, I have no desire to smuggle cocaine anywhere. I have in the past, um, which is dumb. I didn't realize exactly how much danger I was putting myself into, but I have brought back things from, like, Puerto Rico, where you're not supposed to bring back uh, fruit, things like this. I've put them inside of bags of coffee, which is totally okay to to bring back, uh, because then the, like, drug-sniffing dogs just smell the coffee, right? Well, they also look to see if you're bringing back coffee, and they'll open the bags up, which I didn't realize was a thing. Like, I was essentially making myself a target. Um uh, <laughs> Puerto Rico is not really known to be a uh, cheese producing country, right? They do make cheese. There's a they just have like a queso blanco. It's kind of like a like a farmer's cheese kind of thing. It's delightful, you know, but you're not getting pieces of it large enough that you could hollow it out and bring back, you know, heroin or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, I I don't think Puerto Rico is also known for uh, uh producing heroin either, is it? I don't believe so. Yeah. yeah. That seems like that would be, uh, if you're producing it on the island and having it to ship it anywhere else, it seems like your overhead is going to be way too high. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about this article necessarily. Uh, yep. it, this is the first time I've ever heard about somebody using cheese specifically to smuggle. I've always been more interested in people smuggling cheese yeah <laughs> you know not smuggling things in cheese well i was gonna say you know we have our food heists this has to yeah. be this has to be another category it's crimes that uh where where food is um not complicit but is is used Utilized. in yeah. yeah committing the crime instead of being the crime I, you know, I'm not the only one thinking about this stuff. So there's got to be somebody sitting at the border, either the Canadian border or the uh, Mexico border or, you know, ports of entry via the ocean, looking at things that are coming across like tanker trucks and things like this going, OK, wait a minute, that tanker truck's full of milk and they're not looking at it too closely. So if I filled it up with uh, meth. Are they going to let the milk truck through not thinking, oh, I wonder if it's full of meth? Yeah. You know, there's got to be somebody who saw someone legitimately bringing a bunch of wheels of cheese over and was like, ha, 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 that's my inn right there. I'm going to fill those cheese with Coke and drive it across the border. <laughs> I think the most suspicious thing about that and why this person was caught is – if you're a 22-year-old white dude from the U.S. driving a pickup truck and the only thing you are claiming is cheese, automatically that's suspicious. Be like, you yeah. liar. You did not drive to Mexico to buy cheese. Right. Fucking weirdo. Because that's just I, super sus. 
I think, yes. I think part of the reason why, you know, a boat full of cheese is getting quickly through customs is because it's made by the happy cheese farmers of wherever, which are have a reputation and are known. Yeah. Or whatever. So it's like if it's suddenly it's like, uh, oh, wait, we have a shipment of cheese coming from a place we've never received cheese before. And uh, it's made by a company we've never heard of before. Then, yeah, it's a little sus. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm going to recommend against smuggling drugs and cheese, ladies and gentlemen. It seems that you will get caught, unless this is just the tip of the cheese smuggling iceberg, and people have been moving drugs in in cheese forever. I don't know. The tip of the cheese curd. Hey, (laughs) uh, as far as I'm concerned, cheese is a drug, so you got me coming and going on that one. (laughs) You were talking about your sister not doing very well with dairy and gluten. I had a grilled cheese sandwich for lunch today, so I'm the (laughs) wrong one to talk to about that. Yeah, ditto. Man. All right, Steve, anything else we want to chat about today? No, I think I'm good. All right, me too. I actually, so it's one o'clock in the afternoon now. I've done zero work today, and there actually (laughs) is work that I should do. My son gets picked up from his camp in about 45 minutes, and my daughter gets picked up an hour after that. And my day's basically over, so I'd really need to get cranking on some of this stuff. Here, let me just bring you up to date. Going back to work real quick. Hiring is done. I'm fully staffed. Fucking hallelujah. This has never happened before, right? And these are all people who have already been trained. They already have their own uniforms. They already know everything they need to know, which means, of course, I'm going to change everything because we're changing our service style going into this new school year where we're essentially doubling the menu and cutting the production of each item in half. It's going to suck for the first, like, two weeks until everybody figures it out, and then it's going to be fine. I have written those menus. I've written the menus for when just the teachers come back. I have done zero ordering, but that's fine. I'm not going to do that till not next week, but the week after anyway. I need to write what are called the position control worksheets. We've talked before about setting expectations, holding people to those expectations. This is just that. It's a daily roadmap for each station. You work the salad bar. Here's what you do. Here's when you do it. Here's how much you make. Whatever. I just write one of those for each station. Luckily for me, half of them are not changing from last year. Whatever. <laughs> uh so much of what i need to do the like the real um shoe leather work is hiring and it's just done and so i have no real motivation to crank away at the other stuff because like uh, the hiring part's already done so i'm not real worried about it you know it's giving me a false sense of security but beyond that i feel pretty good about going into this new school year nice yeah knock on all the wood Uh, next week new pandemic has started <laughs> right <laughs> gross uh ladies and gentlemen if you want to get a hold of us if you work at a school and you're getting ready to go back to work just like i am or if you've been to a cattle call uh job fair kind of thing hell if you want to work for my company we have locations not so much here in chicago but all over the fucking country i will happily hook you up with the folks who are in charge of hiring for those uh feel free to get a hold of us in the weeds wbr at gmail.com is your long form approach my instagram is chef ben randall you can see all of the cucumbers i'm growing and all of the pickles i'm making and bread i'm baking and all that kind of stuff we have a facebook page and a facebook group if you just look for in the weeds with ben randall and steve runs a website for us in the weeds wbr.com where i hope he's putting up all the pictures of those crazy tomatoes that he had me name <laughs> earlier because they were hilarious uh, yeah that's pretty much all I've got today, Steve. You know, I have a little bit more of that Galena coffee to go back up to my kitchen and drink. But besides that, <laughs> man, I think I can get like 
two of things knocked off on my task list for today. Nice. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll just take a nap. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm still on hey, vacation. That should be on the list. Sounds like a solid uh, <laughs> day's work to me. Nice. All right. For In the Weeds with Ben Randall, I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. Talk at you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>